0: Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Competitive Enablement Show on the Compete Network, powered by Clue, the podcast for product marketers and competitive professionals looking to give their companies a competitive advantage. I'm your host, Adam McQueen, and today I was joined by Chelsea Pula, the Senior Manager of Competitive Intelligence at Amex. Ben, why should folks give this one a listen?
1: Because... Not all of our guests have a competitive landscape as complex as Chelsea does because we're not just talking direct competitors. uh, We're talking geolocated competitors. We're talking indirect competitors. We're talking even sort of fractional competitors. So she gives a really interesting point of view that uh, a lot of our guests have talked about a little bit, but she really lives it day in, day out. So I think that's really great. I also particularly loved her response to ad hoc requests, you know, Adam, that's a conversation, a topic that comes up here or there. um, And it's a balance between saying here, I'm I'm here to help, but also here are the resources and you don't want to just turn people away. So what she does is she makes sure to give sort of a good golden nugget. So someone reaches out, you say, you're right, you know, here's, here's your answer. And here's maybe something you didn't know, but always at the end says, and here's where you can find more information. So I thought that was a really uh, kind of novel approach, one that we haven't heard before. And it's clear that she knows what she's doing. So uh, I know that our listeners will get something from it. Yeah, Chelsea was awesome. Plenty of stories to share. Um, Loved her. She off the top, she drops
0: three actionable takeaways for uh, listeners. So expect that right away. Get your notebooks out. Um, Great conversation with Chelsea. I'm sure we'll have her back. Um, Before we get to the conversation, quick little bit of housekeeping too on the clue side of things we dropped a new resource so check out the competitive enablement executive summary template this thing i'm stoked on this thing we've worked with a lot of different folks in our space compete pros a lot of it today is how do we secure budget for compete how do we get revenue leadership to care about compete and this template not only is something that you could plug in and take and deliver to leadership it also walks through how you start to build this business case, um, done with in tandem with a lot of awesome compete professionals based on what we've seen work, not work, all of the above. Great resource. Check it out in the show notes as well. And with that all said, let's get into our conversation with Chelsea. All right. Today, I am joined by Chelsea Pula, the Senior Manager of Competitive Intelligence at American Express Global Business Travel. Chelsea. Thank you so much for joining me.
2: Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here.
0: I'm excited to have you here. One thing we like to do to kick things off on episodes is to share three actionable takeaways for product marketers and compete pros listening today. So Chelsea, could you share three takeaways for the audience? Yeah,
2: yeah, absolutely. So I would say the first thing is that it's it's really all about your network. I underestimated this early in my career. I tried to do all the research and make sure I was bringing as much value to the table on my own as possible. Uh, but what I've learned is that the more that you rely on the sales professionals and product professionals who are experts in their area, and the more you can crowdsource, the better. Um, so you don't have to know everything and really lean into that network. Um, the second is to just, just stay humble and stay curious. I think it's easy to want to be the expert in the room and to want to be the one that knows all the answers, um, but I think it's helpful if we keep an open mind because competitors surprise you, right? So I think it's good to keep keep that open mind and, and just stay curious about what's going on in the competitive landscape. Um, and then the third thing is a little bit more tactical. I would say when you're building out your competitive deliverables, really think about your audience. Um, the needs in sales are going to be really different for the needs in product versus the needs of your executive leadership team. Um, so just really be mindful of that audience um, and always challenge yourself when you're presenting to say, so what, right? So why am I presenting this? What's the takeaway for this audience? Um, because that's going to be how you add value. It's it's not enough to just say, here's what happened. It's so much more meaningful if you can say, and this is why it matters to us, or this is why it should matter to you, or here's how you should use this information. Um, that's really where the magic is as a competitive intel professional
0: those are those are three great takeaways and they all kind of combine with one another in some way shape or form um in the context of your situation today which i think is really really interesting when you're running compete as a lean team in a incredibly crowded market i'm we're gonna dive into a lot of things but first off i just wanted you to kind of paint a picture of just like how varied and competitive your market that you're in right now is
2: yeah absolutely so Um, I work for the global business travel division at American Express. Um, We're a joint venture of American Express. So we are our our own company, um, but we used to be a department. So it's a little bit uh, it's an interesting culture. We're very, uh, very Amex, but very much our own uh, identity as well. Um, But travel specifically, and I didn't really appreciate this before I joined, is a super competitive environment. In the U.S. alone, we have 50-plus competitors, and they're all pretty viable. Um, Some of them are successful in a very specific geography, so this could be down to this competitor does really well in Cincinnati, or this competitor does really well in Pennsylvania. Um, We see them kind of congregating in specific areas. And then others are specifically for specific verticals. So the best example is probably um, oil and gas in the U.S., and super specific needs around travel if you think about how different business travel is for um somebody who is working on an oil rig versus somebody who's going to a sales meeting you know everything from the destination to the safety um and what we call duty of care which is you know your company's responsibility to keep you safe on the road um, so there are agencies that specialize in that vertical as well um And then on top of that, you have your indirect competitors. So I have a ton of direct competitors, a ton of what we call travel management companies um, in our space that we compete with head to head, uh, but then we also have new models coming out. So um, the best example, I think, is probably in there's something called a reshopping soft software. And the way this works is um if after you book a hotel or a flight uh this software will run in the background and automatically look for lower prices this is something we've built in-house um but there are companies that this is their whole bread and butter um so you have to think about you know how do we compete product versus point solution um sometimes a standalone company is going to invest more heavily just because that's their bread and butter um, versus, you know, what do we have in our existing product stack might integrate a little bit better. But thinking about, you know, those choices as well um, on the product side. So yeah, it's super complex, and we're a small team. <laughs> and um, Lots to, and that's also why you know I started off with my network, right? Because I have the advantage of working with a ton of people who have been in the industry for a really long time. I've only been here for about five years, um, but I'm working with people who sometimes who have been in at the company for 10 or 20 years so um they have a ton of uh of expertise and history and and you know understanding of kind of how the competitive landscape got to where it is today um but yeah super complicated
0: (laughs) no kidding and that tapping into that institutional knowledge and then sharing it at scale sounds like one way to at least tackle what like one method to tackle the complexity of this market i mean I've heard from so many folks, listeners, and just other folks in community I've talked with about sort of how do you tackle, how do you prioritize your competitors? How do you tackle a broad landscape? Like you mentioned, you've got your direct competitors, you've got geospecific competitors, you've got indirect competitors, kind of, yeah, your product to point solutions that are not a typical competitor per se, but there's like one piece of like your product or service. Sure. So what did you do to like wrap yeah. your head around the complexity of the market? What were some of the first things you did jumping in here to kind of understand the market that you're competing within and start to set your teams up for success?
2: Yeah, so when I first joined Amex GBT, um, I spent a lot of time trying to understand the customer perspective. Um, and I did this by signing up for basically every trade publication um, going to webinars that were, you know, our target persona is what we call a travel manager. So, going and learning how to, how would I become a travel manager, right? One of the things that they care about, um, reading their handbooks and their tech books. Um, there's a great resource on a website called Business Travel News. I love Business Travel News, um, and they have something called a Business Travel Buyers Handbook. So, I read that cover to cover just to understand, you know, how do you build a travel management program, right? Um, and it's a complex world for the travel managers too. Um, so I, that's the way I started. I just sort of approached it the way as if I was joining as a travel manager. Um, and then just layering that with interviewing a ton of people that I work with. I had the advantage of being new so I could sort of, you know, play dumb and and get out there and just ask as many questions as we can, right? Um, again, staying coupled, staying curious. And I think, you know, I've tried to keep that energy going where I try not to make too many assumptions. Um, just because it is extremely complex and I learn something new all of the time. Um, So that's been really enjoyable. Um, And, you know, tapping into we have our sales engineers that are true experts on the products. Um, Of course, we have a product marketing team. So leaning into their expertise on their specific product areas um, and what they knew about the competitive landscape. Um, So, yeah, that was how I started to try to absorb really as much information as possible. Um, And then what I did what i decided to do at some point um so it's been challenging right i just want to talk about like prioritization so i think it's easy to focus on one or two top competitors and maybe in your space if you're listening you might have one or two competitors that are really your focus area um but i think that the advantage we had is that we always focus on a lot of competitors um and that stopped us from having the blinders on right so it's easy if you're obsessed with you know your next biggest competitor or who you think is the market leader um i think it's easy to be caught off guard by other competitors um and we've had you know i talked about some of these like regional agencies even though some of them are are quite small and local um they still invest and produce some really amazing technology um so we've seen you know we've had people catch us off guard Um, so we try to make sure that we're focused on as many different competitors as possible and that we don't sort of benchmark one or two. We always, we always have at least six that we look at for any benchmarking exercise just to keep things, um, comprehensive. And then the other way we look at it is we started to group competitors by type. So we looked at, um, you know, what is a regional competitor versus some of the new disruptors versus some of the um competitors that are, are more similar to us that are, are truly global. Um and so we started to to break down competitors in the categories so that we could start to build sales sales materials for those categories instead of trying to build materials for each and every competitor because it's obviously it's not feasible. Um so that's how we we kind of tackled it.
0: This is I mean, there's there's some really interesting things. I think the first thing I heard from you about this again, like when you tackle a super complex market with lots of different competitors, is go talk to as many people as possible. I mean, shout out to Tracy Berry. She, her thirty and thirty interviews always love that as like a playbook to start You're in compete. Thirty key stakeholder, thirty minute interviews. Get them on the books. Do exactly do exactly that. It sounds like that's something you did there, Chelsea. And then you mentioned sort of a good thing on on that on the um on on your side on the Amex side is that. You weren't just hyper focused on one or two, especially when you're in a big market. That there was an awareness of all the different players in the potential market share that they could eat into. Um, again, it's it's funny you, you you're lighting lighting many things up in my brain right now. I was listening to actually uh, a call the other day of a CRO at enterprise company and. They mentioned like one of the biggest pains we had was that we did not care about those tertiary ankle biter competitors, especially when you're at the enterprise level. It's easy to dismiss, and then it was oh, we've lost the deal. Oh, we've lost the deal. Oh, market share, and next thing you know, it's sixty million dollars gone, and it's such an interesting. I th- I think especially when you're at such a when you're in such a large market at a big company like you like you are that there's just a lit- like a litany of different potential alternatives out there. Um, so when when you think about it, you mentioned sort of starting to bucket them a little bit more and like group them so you're not having to talk about everything one by one. What's sort of the the process there and how do you begin to try and differentiate from those groups or buckets that you put together?
2: Yeah, so the advantage that we have is that because we're such a global and Comprehensive player, that um, usually we have an answer. So our, our offer is highly configurable. We usually have either a direct solution answer, or if we don't have a direct solution, we might have a partner. Uh, but I really start to think about it and in, in sort of going back to what the customer's key needs are, and then how do we solve them versus how does the competitor solve them? So, um, you know, I mentioned before that reshopping tool. Um, in some cases, what you're really solving for there is savings. So what you have to take it back to is if we didn't have a reshopping solution, right? What are the other ways that we can save customers money? We can negotiate great rates on content. Maybe we can make a claim that our content is better than than the competitor that they're looking at. Um, we also could potentially add on services where we could help the customer negotiate directly with airlines so that they have their own negotiated rates like there's a lot of ways that we could help our customers save money so i think if you take it back to instead of thinking about oh they have a feature that we don't have right they have they have free shopping and and maybe you know we do have it but if we didn't right um then you have to think okay well we're really solving for savings and what are the other ways that we could do that and how can we make a really exciting story that's backed by actual fact savings are great because you can start to say, you know, we could save you up to 15% or we could save you 30% on hotels. Right. You can start to back it up with numbers. Um, and I think, you know, it's both about making that claim. What can we do for you to solve this problem? Um, why do we think we can do it better? And then here's the proof, right? The proof is so critical. Um, I think it's easy to just get wrapped up in sort of the headline sales and marketing speak. Um, But ultimately, if if you don't have any stats or or either case studies or um, experts to back up what you're saying, um, then it's, it's not
0: really helpful. We'll be right back after a word from the Compete Network.
2: If you're feeling like the new kid in school when it comes to product marketing, you're not alone. Hi, I'm Maggie Bean, the host of New to Product Marketing, a show for new and aspiring product marketers learning what it takes to launch a successful product marketing career. From deep dives on the fundamentals with experts to learning from other newbies how they made the switch, we're pulling back the curtain with candid real-life advice to guide you in your PMM journeys. So join me, Maggie Bean, for season three of the New to Product Marketing podcast, powered by the Compete Network.
0: All right, back to the show. So you, you mentioned that what I loved is that one, like don't don't just like compete on feature. Like, oh, we don't have this, they have this. But you kind of reframe something you said right at the top. There was like, what is the problem they're trying to solve? And you're like, it's savings. So it's a very, it's it feels to me like you're understanding like customer problem. Like what is the thing they're trying to solve? And that's how we're going to bake in how we differentiate within a deal cycle. I love that. And... My, i guess my, what i'm curious about is do you how do you get alignment on understanding because you're, you're as someone that's building kind of helping build out these, these this collateral building out like this is how we differentiate in the space how does that trickle down um to teams out in the field as well that are do, do they follow the same like is it like a process like we're trying to uncover these types of pains and when you see these pains leaning to these differences. How do you make sure that what your process is aligns with what they're doing in the field?
2: Yeah. So we did shift our sales teams in the past year or to or I guess it's been the past few years, toward more needs based selling as opposed to product and feature selling. Um so I had the benefit of of the organization is really behind this approach. Um, because we fundamentally believe that if you sell customers what they need, then they're willing to buy for me, right? Um so simple, but I think it's easy to get wrapped up in product and features and, and talking about, you know, we, we joke that it like it's it's easy enough to tell somebody that your car, you know, has a great engine and that it takes diesel fuel and everything. But that doesn't really mean anything. It's, it's more about like how many miles does it go and, you know, is it safe for me and my family? So thinking about the, the benefits as opposed to um, just the behind the scenes mechanics of whatever you're selling, Um, what we do is we have sort of a playbook for different competitor types. So um, I talked a little bit about some of those regional players. I think that a lot of them, what they focus on is service. So they're really, really fantastic at providing that, what we would call like white glove, high touch service. Uh, so in those, in that area, you know, the playbook is tech because we've invested a lot in our own technology. Um, so if you If we're going up against a service-focused competitor, shift the conversation to talk about why technology is actually central to a great travel program. Um, And then on the flip side, if it's a tech competitor, if it's somebody who has really amazing tech, they probably aren't as focused on the traditional service of the white glove, VIP. Um, We offer that as well, so we can shift shift the story when we're going up against a techie competitor to say, Yes, we can still match the great technology that they offer. Um, but what really matters is when your travelers are stuck on the road and they need somebody to help them get home. Right. So that's that's what we think is the most critical to solve for your program. And, and that's what we think you know we can offer you better. Um, the challenge I think sometimes with our sales teams is that we're really going after there's a lot of different competitors in the deal. And you don't always know who the competitors are. Um, so we have you know our, our standard differentiators. Um, and our our you know core value story, and then it's really up to the salesperson to listen for what questions the customer might be asking that might indicate what kind of competitor they're looking at or what kind of program they're looking for. Uh, what's been interesting as well is that sometimes I think we make assumptions about customers. So we had um, an existing customer who was you had hired us to do sort of the white glove high touch service. Um, And their account manager came to me and said, you know, they're looking at this techie competitor that's really slick and, you know, they're really excited about them. And I said, that's that's great. Um, But if they're on white glove service, why would they want the tech competitor? And the person sort of took a step back and was like, I don't know. Right. (laughs) Like you're telling me that they need white glove service. They need VIP. They need all this stuff, but they want to switch to a competitor that doesn't offer any of that. So. Either the customer is confused, you know, and that, that happens, obviously, like people get excited about one part, they don't think about the, what they might be missing out on, um, or we don't really understand the customer. So I think understanding the customer is just so critical. Um, and unfortunately, as a compete person, there's only so much you can do, like you have to kind of rely on what people are telling you. Um, so typically, that's how I tackle it. I sort of have a playbook based on what kind of competitor we're looking at, what kind of customer, what their needs are. Um, and I'll lean on the salespeople to really understand all of
1: that.
0: What I what I'm hearing from you that I think is critical is that alignment again with yeah. the with the revenue teams in the field, so that one it's going to land with them. And I think we'll get to this in a little bit, sort of like how do you make sure that the work you're doing actually gets used? The the differentiators you're building are actually getting used by revenue teams, and it feels that that alignment by I think you mentioned like um, solution or pain based selling, yeah, is what we want to do is a full organization. So not only so sales team are going to work in that way, which means that compete in competitive research and all of the cloud you build is also going that way, which just makes it a much tighter fit. Um, Plus I guess some of the, the things you mentioned off the top as well, that you're building these relationships, you're being visible, you're talking to these folks and you're crowdsourcing what they know. Um, Let's jump right to that then, because this is a, Age old question. We had a session, uh, we had a live CE live session a week, two weeks ago now. I, I can't remember. Also, when this releases is probably three weeks ago. Sure. Um we're breaking <laughs> the fourth wall here, people. But um <laughs> folks in attendance said like one of their biggest struggles is with the battle cards is just low usage. So I, I'd love to know as we've talked about sort of how you're building these bigger dif- like your differentiators, how how you compete across all these different spaces. What are some um, tactical ways that you've ensured that sellers' revenue teams are using the collateral at their disposal?
2: Sure. So we do have a centralized competitive intelligence library um, where we store all all of our battle cards. um, And we have it available through single sign-on. So anyone has access to it, which is great. Um, But I think that you have to think about battle cards as being Almost like a level one deliverable, it's it's a necessity for your program to function, um, but it's not in and of itself enough to run a compete program. So, we think of them as being sort of the backbone to a lot other activities that we do. Um, once a quarter, we have a session called an "Eye on the Competition" where we invite sales to come and discuss what they're hearing about the competitive landscape, um, and we use those as an opportunity to really get the word out around um, compete. Those are really well attended. We get about, I think, 30 to 40 percent of our commercial organization on the calls at an even time, which is awesome. Uh, Really, really great turnout and people consistently give us positive feedback on that. Um, So those sessions are really well attended. And I think that if you have sessions like that or if you have any kind of hands on sessions with sales, that's your opportunity to plug what you've offered. Right. So we always start with here's what's in the in the library for you to find. Here are the takeaways and then also anything you tell us, we're going to filter, put back into the library for everyone else. So making sure that sales feels like they're part of that process as well. um, I think is super critical. Um, I think the second thing is if you can get leader buy-in. So it's one thing to get the word out person by person, but if you can get on a team call, if you can get the sales managers to care about this deliverable that you've created, Um, And then just really outlining, like, here's how we think this can benefit you, right? I feel like it's pretty intuitive, like, it's a great competitive resource is going to help you sell competitively. Um, But a lot of people just want to know, like, when am I supposed to use this? Do I have to use it? Um, What's what's sort of the expectation here? How often should I be looking at it, right? Um, So I think setting all those expectations and getting the sales managers or directors bought into it and having sort of that top down approach can help as well. Um, And then I think the last thing is just, again, networking. Um, I think I always think about the give and take, right? So I want my salespeople to be sending in competitive info, but I also want to be pushing competitive info out. So anytime I have an open conversation with a salesperson, if they're asking me for something, um, I try to give them something special, but then I also point them back to the resources that we have. So, you know, if they ask me for how do I compete against X competitor, that's my opportunity to, to impress them and say, hey, here's, how I, here's all the ways I think I can help you. But in the future, here's this great library that you can reference. Um, and if you have feedback or if you want me to add more competitors or anything like that, just let me know and I'm happy to do that, right? So I always try to take sort of that servant-type mindset of like, I'm a resource to the organization, so how can I help and maximize that, um, that relationship?
0: I love that. Um, it's another... Callback that I'm thinking about, especially on this leadership buy-in. Um, one thing, actually our compete week uh event in December, Matt Koblenz had a session around sort of many different ways that you can use like automation and get buy-in. And he mentions the exact same thing. Like, yes, you need revenue leadership buying, you need sales leadership buying. You need them also beating the drum from a yeah. top-down perspective. And one of the cool things that he did is he set up with his sales leader, like an automated follow up when a rep closed a deal. I, I usually close one because they're more inclined to speak. And it would be an automated email from the sales leader when they, when in their Salesforce opportunity said, like, one against competitor X, the sales leader would send an email automated to him saying, Hey, congrats on winning against this competitor. Can you share some of the things that help you win the deal? And boom, Intel flying in flying that- in because it was coming from that sales yeah. leader perspective and reps want to th- that's who they that's who they report to and so yeah i was just thinking as you mentioned as it's like a really cool uh, hack for let- lack of a better word but really taking that next step with having sales leaders be involved in the process
2: we actually did something it just reminded me last year we had a contest um for whoever submitted the most intelligence in the quarter would get a prize so it was a similar thing where we ran like promotion with all of our mid-market sales team to say uh and that was that was only possible because the leader bought into getting people into the tool and then said you know let's have a contest let's get people excited sales people are are already competitive with each other so you know we would send out leaderboards and get people excited about you know who submitted the most tips the in the quarter um so that was really fun so similar kind of um approach
0: i love that the gamification i i want to yeah. Go back a little bit before, just to just to close out here. We, because we were talking about again, broad, broad market you're in. Um, you sort sort of like how do you tackle them at a how do you tackle how you compete against each at kind of like a broader level. But you also mentioned like you're a small team, so how do you decide up all of these competitors like who gets your attention and when?
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's a great point. So um, we do look at win-loss data. And I think that's the obvious answer, right? Look at who is taking your business and and where. Um, So that helps us narrow our focus a bit. We will always look at minimum, like I said, six competitors in benchmarking. But, um, you know, we prioritize those six based on who's who are the biggest. um, And we'll look at that at a country level as well. So our biggest competitors in the US are not the same as the biggest in Australia. Um, and then we'll prioritize based on how big each country is as well. So, you know, the U.S. is a huge market um, just for for travel in general, business travel. It's, it's huge in the United States, um, I think mostly because we're so regional. So it, it's easy for us to move around the country versus, you know, international, most of the world. Um, but yeah, so I think prioritizing based on that. Um, and then also sometimes I'll prioritize based on where there's buy in. Right. If at one point, the Australia sales team was the most involved in the competitive intelligence program. So they got the most attention, right? Like if they're going to show up to all of my calls and they provide intelligence and they're they're really actively participating and raising their hands and saying, we need this, then of course, I'm just going to spend more time on Australia than I do on other countries. Um, that was a few years ago. It, it's not really the case these days. It's a little bit more even, which is great. Um, so I think prioritizing that way. And then again, like thinking about those categories helped me provide a lot at scale so that I didn't have to have detailed answers about each and every competitor. Um, and so then that way, it, even as new competitors enter our space, because we have a bit of a playbook based on what type of competitor and what things they're offering and what problems, again, what problems they're solving, what are they offering? What are, what are the key features? Um, it makes it easy to rinse and repeat. Um, it's almost like we can, make our own salad you know <laughs> like oh we need lettuce for this competitor we need tomatoes right Like, just pick the ingredients that you need and throw it together and then here you go
0: <laughs> i love that i love that it's yeah it's such a, a it's the most efficient way possible with with yeah. resources head count that you have available and just sheer number of competitors across the space are you chelsea are you ready for producer ben's favorite segment to close out the show sure this is rapid fire Okay. And disclaimer to listeners, you all know, I also don't see these questions. Chelsea and I neither of us neither of us see these questions until I'm looking at them right now on my screen. So if oh we say anything that gets myself in trouble, Chelsea in trouble, direct all your complaints to Ben at producer Ben at Clue.com. Perfect. <laughs> all right, Chelsea, first ones first. You went to school at St Andrews in Scotland. Do you get to golf or visit the famous Saint Andrews course?
2: <laughs> I've been back once. Um, I studied abroad there for a year and absolutely loved it, but I never played golf when I was there. I um, was spending more time playing Ultimate Frisbee actually with uh, the team there. So that was my, I claimed the fame when I was at St. Andrews. I
0: love Ultimate Frisbee. It's super fun. Oh, you're after our director of data operations is the biggest Ultimate Frisbee fan ever. I'm uh- a Frisbee golf guy. I love
2: Christmas um, too, but <laughs> I'm not it. as good at it.
0: <laughs> Me neither, but I still got out there.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> you also went to Columbia and wrote for the school newspaper. What was your favorite story you wrote when you were there?
2: My favorite story was one where I I don't remember the name of the um, institution anywhere, but I was vegan at the time and I found a vegetarian cooking program. Um, So I went and got to meet with the head of the program and learn a ton about the way their classes work um, and how people get through the program. Because there's not a lot of, most cooking programs are really geared around meat (laughs) and meat production. Um, So it was really cool because it's New York, so there's a ton of vegetarian food. um, And it was really interesting because there's a lot of different kinds of cuisine that go into it. I just, I love cooking, clearly. So that was probably the most fun I had, writing an article when
0: I was there give our listeners a book recommendation personal professional any of the above
2: sure so i've lately been reading it's not tv about hbo and the history of the of the company it's super interesting lots of drama um and they surprised me they were really startup ish for a long time they were very scrappy um and really challenging the status quo around television and um now they're known for great programming but for a lot, long time. That's not what they were known for. So it's been really interesting. Um, that's definitely that's Ben's it.
0: favorite book. I, really? I know that he's like nodding his head right now in the background. He is obsessed with that book. So
2: Oh my God, that's amazing. <laughs> we didn't coordinate that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Last question here to wrap it up. If you had a magic wand you could wave at work right now, what would you use it for?
2: I would use it to go to Colorado and visit my cousin <laughs> and work from there. I've been meaning to get out, uh, back out to Colorado. It's just so beautiful there. I love the um, the mountains and the hiking and everything like that. So if I could blank and be in Colorado and working there, I don't know if that's what you meant, <laughs> <Come on>. um, <laughs> but that, that's what I would do.
0: <laughs> I agree with that too. I want to be in Colorado, <laughs> Chelsea. Thank you so 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 much for joining us. This was awesome. We tackled everything. Uh, Where can people? Connect with you, reach out with you, pick your brain.
2: Sure. So you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, my last name is Pula, P U L A. I have the benefit of being uh, from a very small family, so I'm pretty easy to find online. Um, but yeah, reach out to me and I'll be at Skip if anybody's going to be there um, if this comes out before Skip. So um, I'll see you there, hopefully.
0: I'll see you there to Chelsea. So that's oh, going to be excellent.
2: fun. Awesome. That's going to be fun. I'm really excited. I've never been, so.
0: And it's Scottsdale. So, yes. Get some UV you. rays. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much, Chelsea. And we'll catch everyone next week. Three, two, one.